0: Welcome back to another edition of the fried egg podcast. This edition of the podcast is slightly different as it was hosted in front of a live audience at the sand Valley golf resort in Wisconsin, Bill Corr and Jim Craig of renowned core and Crenshaw design joined the podcast to discuss their brand new 17 hole par three course, the sandbox and their 18 hole sand Valley design, as well as other topics. The podcast starts with an introduction from Sand Valley General Manager Glenn Murray. Without any further delay, here's Bill Coor and Jim Craig.
1: I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker,
2: I'm
3: really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. I've got the distinct honor to introduce tonight's panel. Um, you know, first I'll start with the the team of of Cor Crenshaw, who and Craig, who are you know, an acclaimed design firm in the world of golf, spanning over the last thirty five years. Um, their record really goes without saying. Um, I could rattle off a lot of uh, you know very renowned courses like the Sand Hills or. Abandoned trails, or Streamsong Red, or Old Sandwich, or Cabot Cliffs, and I'm not even doing that list uh, du- justice. Uh, the thing that really strikes me the most about your firm is the work ethic. Uh, I, you know, as we, I've been in the golf industry for the last 20 years, and you work with a lot of different partners, and your firm works as hard as any. Anyone that I've seen in the industry in, in my 20-year career. Uh, the other thing that has always been a common theme with working with anybody from Core Crenshaw is just how they, you know, treat everybody. Um, with you know, they treat everybody like ladies and gentlemen. Like from my Ritz Carlton background, I certainly uh, had that, um, you know, burned into my training. But you guys really have that uh, throughout your firm. So the sandbox opened today and uh, Ben Crenshaw had another commitment. But as we joke about the the sandbox, we often call it you know the, the short name for core Crenshaw has been C and C. And you know they often refer to it's a and C design, but we've kind of internally called it a C C and C design because Jim Craig Uh, has really been uh, the champion uh, behind bringing this course uh, to life. And if you had any fun on it today, I'd like to hear a little round of applause for that course. So while Core Crenshaw has been around for 35 years, there's a new brand in golf that's been growing over the last two, three years uh, called the Fried Egg. So they've amassed uh, quite a following in terms of social media and blogs and, and their followers. So I get to introduce our moderator tonight. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for following a dream. Uh, he had a career in tech, a successful career in tech, but knew that golf was his real passion. And so he kind of jumped two feet in uh, to becoming a, a, a golf writer, a golf blogger. Uh, in his, he writes on all things about golf and travel, but he really focuses in on, on golf course architecture, uh, which is what we're here to talk about tonight. So I'd like to introduce the founder of the Fried Egg, Andy Johnson.
0: All right. Thanks, uh, everybody, and what an honor to be here with uh, these two gentlemen that have done some incredible work across the world. Um, playing the sandbox, you, you get the feeling I grew up playing at a muni course, but I also played a par 3 course down the street, and it makes me think, you know, when I play there, wow, if I had gotten to play the sandbox on a regular basis, how much more golf I would have played as a kid, and I played a lot of golf. So, it's, it's really a great course. I think From just hearing people walking around the first tee, walking around the resort, the biggest question uh, out there is why 17 holes?
1: Well, I am going to immediately defer to Jim and Michael and Chris Kaiser who are back there in the back because they are the ones who came up with this idea because we had just we were finishing the sand valley course and um uh, the next thing i know i get a call from jim and he says you know bill would you and ben you know what do you think about a short course here? i said well if there if they think there's a market for it absolutely but i know particularly jim uh I'm going to let you finally answer this but I know particularly you and Michael had had discussions about the the attractiveness or potential attractiveness of that and uh, and Ben and I just tagged along man we just said we think it's a great idea let's see how let's see what we can do so Jim you can you can explain how this idea actually originated
0: no, you're you're all, you have your own. Sorry. We're fancy. Yeah. Just, you're good to go. Just, Is it
2: live? Okay. Well, thanks for being here tonight. It's nice to see all your faces and know that you actually got to play out there. Thanks to, to Glenn and his staff for everybody. They they do a great, great job here at Sand Valley, and I'm glad you guys all came. I think we should give a give a nice hand to those guys. I have no idea how we ended up with 17 holes. <laughs> it was started to be a part two course. I didn't have no idea what a part two course is. I've never seen one. We had 20 holes that you could putt to. We called it. We, we had twenty twos, and that didn't work. So Michael is more or less well, less 18. Well, no, that's too conventional. Well, Let's go see how many good ones we can find. And we found 17 good ones. Thanks to him. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good call. We, we enjoyed this opportunity to find that many holes, first of all. It's, it's great material out here. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity.
1: Well, it's interesting, too. The, I guess the, the foundation of that whole concept started with Mike Kaiser, who I remember when we were, he, he had the idea that we would do the short course the preserve at Abandoned Dunes. And there was this triangle of land that overlooked the ocean in the dunes that Ben and Mike and I all wanted to put into abandoned Trails and we realized if we did it, the dunes were very closely configured in terms of contours. And if we tried to build regulation length holes there, we were going to have to bulldoze them away to make them work. We thought that site was just simply too pretty to do that. So we skipped it. And it was, it was a bit painful to skip that and not use it. And then when Mike came back a few years later and said, Bill, Ben, I think we need a, a par 3 course here for people who are coming to play and just, you know, there, there comes a point they can't just walk and play 36 holes a day. Um, he said, I think we need a par 3 course and I think we all know where it should be. He remembered that, that particular piece of ground where the preserve is. But I guess what I'm getting to, Jim, is I remember distinctly the day Michael Chris that I was with your dad and I said Mike so you want to build a part three course how many holes do you want it to be and he said I don't care as long as it's not nine or 18 any other number is fine just find the best holes you can find and do that and build the, the holes he said I don't care if they're 60 yards long or 160 yards long but build holes that are good enough that you could take any one of them off the Par 3 course and put it on one of the regulation courses and it would be very well accepted. So that's when you look back to Sand Valley, to me personally, that's where I trace it back to, to that idea. And then Michael, Chris, you and Jim took that and, and, and ran with it here and produced what you played today.
0: So thanks to the success of the preserve and now and many other short courses around the country, it's become really a big trend. And I think the demand for short courses is up. When you guys go about designing a short course, how does it differ from that of a regular?
1: Well, I think, Andy, for me, it's it's (laughs) you get an opportunity to do some things that you probably would not be able to do on a regulation length course. For those of you who played today, a prime example of that is the, the third green, which is what we refer to as the double plateau green. To those who might not know that concept, it's the green out there. It looks like it's got two matchboxes buried in it with a trough in between. And that's a very famous green at the National Golf Links in Long Island. But, and it works there on the 11th hole. But generally, it's hard to make something that extreme work in a regulation golf course. And, and uh, we just felt like that we could do those kind of things on a, on a short course. And Jim, again, leading this whole thing with the Kaiser family, said, let's come up with some of the neatest stuff that we've never been able to do. So it gives us an opportunity from a design standpoint to do that. It also gives the opportunity from a playing standpoint to play golf in 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 quick fashion and not spend half a day or the entire day doing it
2: yeah that's absolutely right you know actually when we were we were deciding on some holes out there i think uh, you you and some extra gentlemen over there talked about what we should do for a for a trophy for the event out there and and it's kind of like the same thing we you know had some ideas kicking around with a bunch of folks and you know I think that's the way we did here we we talked to the folks around that that, that were all all in for a Par 3 course and and thought well, now what would you like to do if you had your your pick here I'm surprised that we only only kept with 17 holes cuz if somebody had to say stop cuz I'd probably still be out there building <laughs> holes <laughs> but it was a it was a collaborative effort no doubt
1: and I guess, Andy, too, from the standpoint, if you're in our business, and particularly if you're one of the younger guys working in this in this business, so much of that time is spent just trying to fulfill someone else's concept or someone else's the principal for whom, ever, whom you work or something. Not so much for Jim, who's worked with us since he was five years old, but uh, but there's there's a young guy working out here named Ryan Farrell who has an extraordinary background in golf architecture and education and and implementation. But as we would go through out there, I remember walking through, and it's it's the 12th hole Mm -hmm. right there. We had walked past it numerous times. No one had ever done a sketch. No one had ever done a concept for it. We just kept walking by it. And finally, we walked by there one day, and Jim and Ryan and I were walking by, and Jim goes, well, what are are we going to do here? I had no idea. I had never even thought about it. And I just said, well, what we're going to do here is walk to the next hole, and Ryan's going to figure out what this is going to be. So we kid about it being the Pharaoh hole. But, uh, you know, that's, that's interesting for people who are involved in this business of building stuff to be able to go, I've had an idea. I would like to try to implement it. And then to implement it and see folks like you come and say, that's pretty neat. I enjoyed that so it's a it's part of the really positive aspects of this whole business
0: Jim have have you ever had an idea that you were really nervous to show Bill that uh, you know whether it was on the Sandbox or Sand Valley or any other course that you know you you, you had this idea that he was just talking about with you know Ryan's idea of the whole yeah I
2: have, I have, it's a pretty regular thing, I have to kind of ask permission to do much of anything, five, I wasn't really five, I was actually like 25, but but I acted five, so <laughs> there's a lot of, I could make you a list of things, you know, but it, the patience that this man
0: has shown me, whew, you know him, yeah. How does your day-to-day work, Jim? How does building a green, you know, the manner in which you do it, how does the process work?
2: Well, I think it's, it's different, you know, everywhere we go. We obviously um, have good direction. You know, Hogan used to say, you know, that the, the swing was nine-tenths over its setup. And, uh, you know, the way we've been lucky, you know, to, to have sites that were, you know, uh, very conducive. Uh, for golf and and William and, and Ben have always found a way to you know get around that property with with as you know as gracefully as possible so it, depending on what the materials like it's, uh, it's, um if we could say it's all the same we talk about concepts and, and the way it would would match with what's behind it or what's in front of it and uh, and, and we, we rough something in working at the green working. Uh, at all the green sites and 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 kind of a place to start that may move a little bit here or there, but start at the green and then and then work backwards, I think is is what we do it uh sometimes it moves sometimes it evolves, but it's fun
0: mm-hmm. Shane and Michael had a great conversation last night, and uh Michael really talked about how you guys like to use and highlight the land. what were the core aspects of both Sand Valley and the sandbox that you wanted to highlight about the natural features of the land here at Sand Valley?
1: Oh, I think, Andy, it was, you know, anytime you're, you're given the opportunity to work with a truly gifted piece of property, a property that, that uh, seems like it can yield a very interesting golf course without a lot of alteration, you want to work with it, not against it. So we come with the philosophy, as Jim said, that we come with no pre- preconceived notions as to what the length of the course is going to be, what the style of the course is going to be, what the, whatever is going to be. We try to study the property and say, this is, we're going to let this guide us in terms of what the course will turn out to be. So with Sand Valley, I remember out here, Ben and I'd be walking with Jim and, you know, when they cleared the trees off of it, It took on a very similar appearance because it's ridges and valleys. And, of course, it's all sand, so it's aptly named in that regard. But I remember the first time we walked through and talking to Jim, and I go, man, we're going to have to figure out how to make these holes where they don't all look alike. Because when you started looking at the landforms and the big scale of the landforms, it would have been easy to become very, very repetitive out there, run all the holes down the valleys, for example, run them all perpendicular over the hills, or whatever the case may be. And so we, we tried to study it and say, all right, if we were out here walking around, how would we walk around this property without being too physically taxing? And how would we then lay holes out that would be different and still, and still interesting, but complement this site? So in that case, that's, that's what we did with Sand Valley. In the case of the sandbox, it was almost the complete opposite when, when Jim said that He and Michael and Chris and had been thinking about, you know, the possibility of doing a part three course, went out there and looked. It's much smaller. It's much smaller scale. It's much flatter. And and we thought this is perfect because Sand Valley, the golf course Sand Valley is a big scale. The golf course Mammoth Dunes is absolutely perfectly named because it's mammoth. In scale, and so we thought the par three course, the fact that they had chosen this site that was down here, much smaller scale, much more intimate, much more level, would give the opportunity to do a golf product that was completely different than the other courses. So, in a sense, both of them the big scale of Sand Valley, the smaller, more intimate scale at the sandbox was driven by the sites they were built on.
0: You've you've done a lot of work with the Kaisers, and obviously since uh, 1999, when Bandit Dunes started, the golf industry started to have a seismic shift. Um, obviously, Sandhills was a big part of that in '95. What about working with the Kaisers is different than
1: say other clients? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is hard to say with these guys sitting in the room. But, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, my job. Yeah, got to ask the yeah, hard questions. Yeah, I know, Andy. You did. You did. You did. Um, this family has done so much and been so positive for golf, not just in America, but in the world. They are changing the way. People perceive golf, people for so many years perceived that the very best golf courses in the world were exclusive, they were private, they were hard to, to get, you know, it, to, to get access to, and their whole concept is exactly the opposite. Let's find sites that are site driven, not demographically driven. They're driven by the contours of the ground to produce the most interesting courses, not the population that happens to be or not be adjacent to it. And so they took that concept and then said, and we want it to be public access. Mike Kaiser was a founding member of the course we did at Sand Hills, And that, that in and of itself is special. But the fact you know he looked and said, "I wish I wish everybody could see the Sand Hills. I wish it could it could happen." But then to say now, my family and I are going to go try to present opportunities for people to experience that type of golf, but do it in a in a public access arena is, is truly special. And you know, in our in our business, Nandy, the best you the, the greatest thing you could ever hope for is to be given a truly special site and the freedom to work with it, not work for an owner who lords over you and says, I want this, I want that, it's going to be this, I don't like that, that type thing. And and Mike and now Michael and Chris and the family, um, they don't do that. They give you the opportunity to work with something extraordinary and the freedom to work with it. And are they involved? Absolutely. And that's the, for the betterment of each project. But um, I think history will record that this family will be hugely impactful in, in, the, in the evolution of golf in the most positive way. And, I, you know, Michael, Chris, I've said to your dad numerous times, Mike, you've given us so many opportunities. Maybe it's time for somebody else to get the experience this. And Michael's and Chris's dad's the same age I am. So we, you know, we kind of look at each other and, and, and he does. They do. They're giving opportunities for younger architects and different people to be experiencing But at the same time, once in a while, Mike looks at me and goes, Bill, I'm getting old. I'm kind of getting set in my ways. And And I go, there's a part of me feels guilty about that, and there's another part that just goes, thank you, Lord. We're just going to follow these people wherever <laughs> they want to go, as long as they want us.
0: I imagine, like, we talked about this when we talked earlier about when uh, Dick cap called you about sand hills, like you want to build in Nebraska, when, when they said, hey, we got a great site in central Wisconsin. What was your immediate reaction?
1: Well, my immediate reaction to Mike on the phone was, Mike, the last time I looked, I didn't see an ocean <laughs> next to Wisconsin. Now, maybe at one time, many millennia ago, there was, but I just don't see it there because Mike had told me through the years, he said, I'm only going to go where I can find sand next to the ocean, dunes next to the ocean. That was the the, the cornerstone and the uh, the thing that uh, that he looked for most, and so coming here was a, a a bit of a not just a leap, but it was it was off on a different tangent. And Craig Halton, who's out here, who, who who came and discovered this property through research through the you know over the entire state of Wisconsin to find a sand site, and then was able to to meet. Uh, one person in particular, an uh, Australian guy whom w- we both know, but who who said this could be neat and introduced him to Mike. And I remember Mike telling me, he said, Bill, I'm going to go look at a site up in, in Wisconsin. Where's the ocean? You know?" And, he, <laughs> and And he came here and he called afterward and he goes, well, I went there with every intention of saying no. And he said, I walked around the site and walked with Craig Halton. And, you know, Chris, Michael, I don't know exactly who all was here at that point, but uh, some of the Kemper Sports people. And and Mike, at least the way he conveyed it to me, was I went there to say no and I came away ready to say yes. Getting back to short courses
0: and the sandbox, what is it? do you think about these courses that are making them so popular in today's game?
1: Well, I mean, my personal perspective is, it's, and I grew up playing on some Par 3 courses and in North Carolina many years ago. The problem was at that point in time, Andy, a Par 3 course was more often than not considered to be a second choice, a second-rate citizen a second something, something that was, you did if you couldn't get to a primary course. And what's happening now is that that concept's been flipped and turned on its head, so to speak, and with things like the, the preserve, like the sandbox, like the cradle that Gil and the people at Pinehurst have done, like what Tom Doak has done, like all these things that are now coming online. PAR three courses that are ever as interesting as regulation scale golf is is exposing people. In this case, most of us in the room played a lot of golf. It exposes us to interesting golf on a small scale, but probably more importantly, it gives people in this room and, and people like Jim and you know with with younger families the, the chance to expose them to really interesting golf. And in such a way that it doesn't become so frustrating, they can play it faster. It plays into this whole idea, how do you get people involved? How do you do it in, in, without taking up an entire day doing it? But the ability to, to do that and, and then do it in a, in a reasonable amount of time with today's, well, particularly with young folk who have opportunities to be exposed to so many things, the attention span for natural reasons is is much tighter so and and shorter and so this gives people a chance that this is this is real golf it's on a small scale this is the real thing and uh you know it's it's just neat for us to for us to see and as we said it's a it's a chance for us to do something on smaller scale that we might not be able to do on a bigger and jim i don't know how you would expand i think
2: i I think that's exactly right you know the there the frustration can sometimes be caused by by just maybe having your young youngster with you on a course that might hold up play or something you know you you kind of feel a little bit like oh we got to scoot along here unless it's late in the day i grew up you know, if I could reach the gas pedal, I was hustling carts for candy bars or something, so I could get out and play when everybody was gone. But I, I, this—if we all hit tee balls off of off of a hole, one of us may be over there, and one of us may be over there, and on these short, you know, playing at the green from all different spots, which is which is great. It's fun, but these short these shorter ideas—they they seem like you know you can have a collection of holes that you could all walk out there to the you know short of the green and all drop a ball and say let's go from right here and it gives you a nice way to learn the game whether it's with your kid or your grandma or, or or you know just anybody and they if it's if it's grandma she might just beat you you know and that's pretty neat
1: i can think of when the when the preserve opened and i was standing on the first tee with mike kaiser and there was one group there, Andy, that played had four generations of mm-hmm. players. Went from an eighty some year old man to an eight year old, and and each generation, you know, in between, it may have been actually five. Now that I'm thinking about it, but it was a fascinating thing to see. That's something you wouldn't see on a regulation like big course, and and it, it's just a it's a neat aspect of what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, I think that's the coolest part of the the par three courses and the short courses is it levels the field. You know, you could you know the eighty year old could win or the eight year old could win, and everybody's on the same level. Um, what did you guys learn from doing the preserve that? You might have changed or, you know, made better doing the sandbox.
1: Well, on the one hand, they're completely different because yeah. the terrain's different. The thing they have in common is the uh, sand, sand base. But the biggest thing of all is the, uh, I'm not sure any of us knew how well received the preserve would have, would become. And so it was on a bit steeper terrain. So when we were doing the tees, the tee surfaces there are somewhat smaller than here and through the years we found that quite frankly they're too small and been trying to expand some and this that, and the other so when we were about to embark on this one of the first things uh jim and michael and chris went out and walked the preserve talked to the superintendent out there about what the issues were, and it was absolutely we need more tea space. So you'll see T's here, although they may not look big. Any individual level you're on, when you start looking, they they spread out and they meander here and there and all around, and uh, not only provide different angles but more usable space. Jim, were
0: there any uh, unique uh, stories or or challenges that you encountered during the construction phase?
2: You know just seeing my face every day is a struggle for everybody you know it's it's like oh lord here he comes how long is he going to stay today and, you know i i i i think taking everybody's ideas that that we were presented with and 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 uh and making them happen was was it's it's easy to talk about stuff you know but but actually making it happen is another thing. So it's it's a it's it's a hard you know it's, it's a lot of it's a heavy load to 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 have a great idea and, and start in there at it. You know it's it's a tough one. So uh, I think everybody gave it their all. I mean it, it's a pretty pretty darn neat deal, and I think it's only going to get better out there when the surface gets a little like this. I think for the game, it's a good a good thing to take your eyes out of the air and put them on the ground and. You start to make sense of what what's out there. So yeah,
0: yeah. I, I went around and was hitting just a six iron this afternoon. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. You know, yeah. you could start to get imagination back, and it's funny. I, I was recently watching like a 1940 PGA championship, and that was the only shot these guys were hitting were along the ground. And it's so weird, you know. A guy's a hundred yards out, and he's just like running a ball up to the green. It's something you don't see today that is all of a sudden acceptable and it's there. You just, nobody uses it.
2: You know, it's like, it's like the, somebody asked uh, Michael about golf carts last night and, and, and I, and I, and I loved it. He said, well, how, how much do golf carts cost? How much do you pay for rent? And, and he didn't know the answer. I thought that was great. Like, you, you know, the, the thing that wasn't really in there was the, the opportunities that, that that also offers with turf you know you can you can't hardly have a golf cart on fescue unless you have a card path and and when when you can grow fescue that that creates a whole nother game the ground game is is, is a game that you know if the course were solid bent grass it would certainly limit you you know mm-hmm. as to how that ball is going to react and 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 i think that's that's a great you know, tribute to their belief in the game, and, and it gives us a chance to hit those shots that we see in Scotland. You know that that uh, that are super fun, and all that ground you can you can play over it's just it's, it's just a different game. It really needs.
0: So. We uh, open it up from for questions from the crowd. Who's got them.: So the question is: How much of your design is done in on the computer versus the field? And then once you get out on the ground, how much does it change?
1: Well, if you're asking me, I'm. I'm... He has no email address. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't think he could turn one on. Yeah. Look, look, yeah. look, his wife counts the steps. She's, yeah. she, he, he he can't even charge this yeah. thing.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. He, do, he does use emojis, though. He yeah. does. He does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Ben and I, Jim, not so much, but Ben and I are lumbering dinosaurs waiting for extinction who do not either use a computer nor have an email address or anything like that. So I've never used a computer in my life. I wouldn't know what to do with it other than just open it and <laughs> and look at it and wonder what to do next. So we're we're still very much the old-fashioned way. And and I'm not saying this is right. You know, if if you were if I were Jim's age or Andy's age or something and really trying to get established in the golf design profession, obviously I couldn't do it. But given The background and things can still go out there and just wander around with topographical maps and make notes on it and, and, but mentally just, just visualizing and getting a sense of the property and how do you walk across it and if this, does it have any attributes for golf or, or not? And, and if it does, how would you start to, to visualize a golf course being laid out on this. I mean, in our case, it's generally trying to figure out a circulation pattern. How would you go out there and walk around the property? Uh, people do it with computers all the time. The vast majority of people do. We're still the old way of, well, let's go out there. Let's take two or three days or four or five days and let's walk around. And If I were coming out here not even thinking about golf, how would I want to walk around this property to see the most interesting elements and do it in such a way I don't feel like I'm, it's so physically demanding. I mean, yeah, it, it's, I still to this day believe that's a good way to go. And once you can get a kind of a sense of the property and a sense of how you would travel around it, then you start to try to figure out how to break that into, into terms of, of golf and golf holes. But we, we, I guess specifically to your question, we use the computer zero. And the rest of it is you know so, depending on what degrees. so when
0: when Bill has an idea for a hole, how does he present it to you? does he just you know does he just say, "Hey, you know this is what I'm thinking, and you you go do it yeah I, th- I think so,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think every site challenges us a little bit to come up with with something on our own, and like like Ryan's hole out here, you know he we kept walking past it, and finally we said, "Ryan, do something," and he did. So I, you know, I, I, there, there's all kinds of ways, but he he has so much direction. His mind is like a computer. You know, he he makes it sound like it's just oh, just a little pleasant. He's like the, that Ross guy that used to do the paintings. <laughs> oh, and here's your happy little tree over here, and paint your. But it, it, it yeah. It, he, he puts he, he, there's not a minute or, or a place that he doesn't think about and i think one of the greatest things to see is is i don't know that i've ever actually done what he's asked me to do he gets there and goes oh geez how are we going to make chicken salad out of this and somehow he does he finds good in just about everything that we do and it may not be exactly what he was thinking but it's it, we we're able to do something different, and we keep changing every day. We don't ever do it the same way. I can guarantee you that. They, uh, I, I, I uh, saving grace for me is I forget most things, so forgiving things is really easy for me. So, is it, it, he's a fun man to follow? I can tell you that.
1: Well, uh, I will say this, I won't get off too much on a tangent here. I hope, but uh, Ben and I for years have said we are so fortunate. I mean. Jim is sitting here tonight. There are, other, there are other people who've worked with us for years who are equally talented and, and extraordinary people. And one of the great misconceptions in golf architecture is that there's some one person who walks out on this site, has every idea, every concept preconceived or figured out, and gives it to a, someone to go build. That just simply does not happen. And if it does, the golf course is not going to be very good. We have, we have through all these years, tried to work with extraordinarily talented people and, and give them the freedom to work, too. Just like the Kaisers give us the freedom to work, we try to give Jim and the other guys the freedom to work because you know how talented they are. Why on earth, if you were a jockey, Would you get on a horse, try to win a race, and be there telling the horse, pick up your right hoof, put down your left, pick up, you know. You don't do that. You say, we're going in this direction. This is the goal. This is what we're trying to do. You run for it. Go for it. And so many times we end up being, uh, yes, we have ideas, but so many times we end up being editors as well, Andy, observing the work that talented people do, and then saying, this fits within the concept, let's go with this. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like uh, I, one, one of my friends as a writer said that you know, all writing sucks until it gets edited. So the question is, uh, mentioned National Golf Links. What are five or six other courses that you and Ben have been inspired by?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, probably we would pick many of the ones you, the folks here tonight would pick. But Ben and I both grew up playing on, uh, well, I grew up playing as a kid around a lot of Donald Ross courses, but then when I was in school at Wake Forest, there was a Perry Maxwell golf course literally adjacent to the campus, and that course influenced me so much ben in when he was a kid grew up playing on the austin the original austin country club which was a perry maxwell course so we had that in common as to uh, uh, perry maxwell did some of the most incredibly artistic greens ever he worked with Alistair mckenzie on a number of projects and things but so we had that in common perry maxwell courses but you know we we would just go see things. We'd all seen them. Jim's seen them. You go to some place like Pine Valley or you go to the national golf links. There couldn't be two more different golf courses. And yet it's hard to choose, which is, which would I really prefer, you know, more. And it's just that, that experience of seeing things and trying to appreciate things and, 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 and giving some thought to why do I like these more? But, We've been so fortunate in the years to work with some just extraordinary places, not just new sites but existing courses. And you just go out there and you just marvel at it that uh, I mean, I've, I've spent more than a few days walking around Cypress Point, you know, and, and be the only person out there in the afternoon. The only person. Everybody plays at Cypress Point in the morning. So in the afternoon, it's just fantastic, and you, and you walk around and you go. In our best day, could we have ever thought of this? Could we have ever done this? And you go, well, I don't, I don't know about that. But it's just those kind of experiences and those kind of courses. And I wish I could just say, oh, it was one through five. It was this, this, and this. As soon as, as soon as I would do that, if I picked one of them and said, oh, that's number one, this two, three, four. These are the five courses. I would go to one of the other eight or ten or whatever courses and go, ooh, I messed up. That one should be that. So we've, it's just been a process. The question is, after a
0: course opens, what's the process for editing and, and any changes that are made over the, over the years?
1: Well, uh, it's a very good one because that is a process that happens. If you're fortunate enough to work for a club or an ownership group or a family, who uh, again allows you freedom to work with a with a good site, you do the best you know how to do I mean right out of the box you, you're doing everything that the way you think is the best way to do it as you're building the course, but it still it happens in a fairly short period of time, and once that course is open, you hope that the owners for whom you've worked will Absolutely observe how that course handles play, be it just everyday play or be it championship play. But how it it fulfills or 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 perhaps doesn't fulfill the goals that was intent that were intended. And over a period of time, you 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 go back and you say, "All right, how do we see this? How has this progressed?" And everything evolves, and you think. Perhaps, if we made a refinement here or a refinement there, it would be better. And the best owners, again, allow you to do that. And yes, Bandon Trails was one of them. I mean, Jim and Jim did so much of the work at Bandon Trails. And yet, once you see exactly how tight and firm that Fescue got, for those of you who played up there years ago, like at number 18, and you would see it roll off the front of the green, and the next thing, oh, my God, it's 40 yards back down the fairway with the wind blowing from the north. And, and, and you know, that wasn't really what we intended. So the, the, when you're allowed the opportunity to go back and work not really so much on the green, but right in front of it to try to address those issues and um, – we appreciate that, and even if you see that, whether it's one of our courses or anyone else's, if you see that in process, that doesn't mean it was bad the first time. It just means you've learned through the process, and people have observed that, not that it was bad, but there could be a better way to handle some of the issues you've seen. So the best golf courses evolve in, through, that, through time.
0: I know you're not going to like this question. If you, if you could put one of the holes in the sandbox in your backyard, which one would it be, and why?
1: You wanna answer that first? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go for that, and then you can answer that. I, you know, it'd be the third hole. The double plateau thing. We've talked about doing something like that for years. And we just never found the right situation to do it. And when we were walking out there, and, and Jim actually is the one who mentioned something about way, we could do one of those somewhere, and he goes, go, you're right, we could do it. And, and what we would be perceived as either unfair, goofy, or just totally out of bounds on a regulation course we thought could work here. And we watched enough play there today. And Tim, who made a, well, you made on 13, I guess. But but Mark, son, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and so it's those kind of things. That wouldn't be the only one. There would be other ones. But that one for me personally just stands out. I would you, would your wife like it? I'm sorry? Would your wife like it back there? Uh, sure, the dogs could run over it, <laughs> and maybe you know, be, yeah, she'd be okay with that.
0: That's good.
2: Well, we haven't talked about my cottage, but but I think we could have all of them in my backyard. They just at my house right back there, and it could be my backyard. Michael? Okay. Are you here, Michael? Jim's cottage <laughs> I, I can't say that I have a favorite I mean third the third hole out here is 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 a lot of fun and we have looked for a spot like that there's no doubt you know the National Golf links has that uh, that green uh, very it's different but it's this kind of the same idea Uh, there's so many of them, you you know, I just, I don't know that I have a favorite. I would just ask you to pick one and I'd say thank you
0: very much. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's probably like picking your favorite kid. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) All right, well, thanks so much for uh, being a part of this and uh, awesome course and congratulations on, uh, you know, another home run.
1: Thank you, Andy, and thank all of you for coming. We really do appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed the experience. And, you know, David Kidd's course is going to open here soon. And Sand Valley, who would have, who would have thought? The Kaisers would have done it again.
3: Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you.